Hello! Oh my god, we're back again. <laughs> it's That's a better song than we'll be talking about. Is it? Ooh, don't know. Might, um, it might be. It, 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 it is. Uh, hello, welcome to True Crap Pop episode number three of our search for the very, very worst album in the world ever. We've been teasing this for, where are we now? Well, it's been a while. Speaking of other good songs better than this Bruno album. Wah. Yeah. Uh, the last episode was released on Valentine's Day. Ooh. The day of laughter. The day of yeah. laughter. So, Love yeah. and laughter. And what a lovely <laughs> laugh it was. We've been saying that we we're going to bring this back. But it's me, Stephen Hill, by the way. Sam Slight's here. You wearing hey, a... Or... Guys, for this tumultuous special occasion, Sam's wearing mm. a, a, a white shirt. A red herring's finest. Is it? Yeah, I think I got this when I worked as a Christmas temp in Debenhams back in 2012. So it's lasted quite well. It has, and it fits you well. The collars, you've got got probably like four buttons open on the top. I've got two, the kind of Blair on holiday, you know, but not sarcastic. (laughs) That level. (laughs) Blair on holiday. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we all love that, don't we? Uh, He he earned it though, didn't he? Dropping them bombs on those... What did you used to call them? Brown people. Uh, anyway, look, that, we're going to get oh, on dear. with this. Yeah, <laughs> might edit that out because this is going to go. Nah, on the, be alright. Everyone likes Alan Partridge. Oh yeah, they? they do. But it's going on the internet where people refuse nuance quite readily to accept context. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. No boo, no boo to context. Anyway, this is a, <laughs> this is a podcast where we are looking to find the worst album in the world ever 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 we have done this before there's been a big old gap really we have kind of explained this before it's a spin-off of true cult pop which is where you've found this obviously where you can listen to us chatting about good music every friday but this is the kind of the yin to the yang where we search for really really bad albums i always love doing this um mm. we've got a big old load i mean if you just come into us now with this we've got like 85 albums odd that we have in the list already that we've ranked it's a long story put it that way it's a long story it it's a long it's story the, why we've got the that. war and peace of shite albums <laughs> yeah it is but um but basically what we do here is we take an album which has been picked not just because sam and i despise it but because nah. it has a an interesting story and a bad reputation for whatever reason whether it's because of the artists themselves the critical reaction to it the commercial reaction to it some other thing that happened when the album was released basically it is a record that is generally reviled amongst people Mm. and we try and find out exactly why that is before we get into this week's pick we are going to be doing these more often so i'm going to say this week's we are are going to be doing it more often i'm going to run you down the 20 worst albums that we have found on this list so far we won't go through the whole list because it's massive and it takes ages but anyway the 20 worst starting from number 20 going all the way down to the very worst album we found number 20 is the original soundtrack from sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band the movie the rebirth by little wayne is 19 18 is hard to swallow by vanilla ice 17 is eog and quig by eag and quag 
Number 16 is Testified by Phil Collins. Number 15 is Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics, Volume 2. Number 14, The Towers of London's Blood, Sweat and Towers. Number 13 is Cut the Crap by The Clash. Number 12, Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman. Number 11 is Philosophy of the World by The Shags. Number 10 is Asshole by Gene Simmons. Number 9 is Total Zanarchy by Little Zan. Number 8 is Paula by Robin Thicke. I love the look at oh. this album. I haven't looked at it for ages. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, I remember that. Record. Yeah, remember these. Remember yeah. that prick. Um, <laughs> uh, whereas number seven is Methods of Mayhem's self-titled debut album. Number six is Uncle Cracker's Double Wide. Number five is Blood on the Dance Floor by Bad Blood. No, the other way around. Bad Blood by Blood on the Dance Floor. That's the one. That's the one. Number four. Yeah. I'm not a former number one. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it by Broken Side. Number three is the Concerto in True Minor by the True Symphonic Orchestra. Do your just impression. For you name alone. To. Just for name alone. Go on, go on. Tell them about your impression. Go on, do it. <laughs> true Symphonic. Or as I like to do it, the True Symphonic Orchestra. That's what every word on that album basically sounds yeah, like. Much, uh, number yeah. two is Crazy Hits by the Crazy Frog. And number one, thus far, taking everything into account, the music, the context, the story, the surrounding everything about this record, we believe the worst album is My Teenage Dream Ended by Farah Abraham. Um, mm. We won't get into it too much now, but, you know, it's pretty bad, that. It's pretty bad. Anyway, another album is going to be added to this list. Will it top? Farah Abraham. <laughs> I think we know that it probably won't. I think but we know. Yeah. I think we know. Today, we're going to be looking at Simulation Theory by Muse, the eighth studio album from the Devon Prog Rock Megastars released on the 9th of November, 2018. And so before we start, I'm going to give a genuine shout out to Muse because I think they're actually something of a rarity for me in music, a genuine rarity as I have got older, they are something which I don't find so much in music anymore, which is a band that I genuinely despise, right? Because <laughs> there's not many of them left, I'm not going to lie. No, I don't hate no. James Blunt anymore. I don't hate Ed Sheeran or Imagine Dragons or Maroon 5. But like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Green Day, I fucking hate Muse. And it's actually something of an achievement. I think in 2023 for me to really hate a band because I found myself only ever really sort of looking for the positives in music and mm. I can't really find them in Muse and I've never really liked them. But I think even if they were to release an album that I love, I've just got a beer in my bonnet about Muse. And I think when I think back to why it is, I used to work with a guy at the London Dungeon who was unbearable and he used to wear a Muse tie. Oh, dear. <laughs> was, was it like a piano key tie? It was, yeah, <laughs> it was like it a, Matt Bellamy's synthesizers. A, or a skinny tie and it just said Muse on the bottom of it. And oh. I think that Muse tie tipped me over from being someone who was just like, don't really care about this band, think they're a bit daft, don't really want to listen to this like howling, mm. yarling guff to being like i i hate this band why would you make a tie with your band's logo on 
Well, uh, I mean, I can't answer that. I would. Well, uh, that was the question, Sam. Well, I'll answer your question with another question. When was this, Steve? When were you working in the London Dungeon? It was between 2005 and 2008. Okay. Uh, That is far too early to be making kind of novelty crap like that unless you're in Kiss. I mean, um, I think about some of the merch that you can get these days where bands can basically only solely rely on merch sales. Like you can get Primus Socks but that kind of feels like it fits the aesthetic in the same way that I feel a tie maybe fits in with Muses, but 2005 to 2008, no, that's a bit too soon. I mean, you want, you just want to stick with the the bad Fruit of the Loom kind of boxy t-shirts, lads, because that's what everyone's doing and never push it any further. I know you're progressive and everything, but you don't need to. It's interesting that that is the era in which you decided you genuinely despised them though, because I come at this from a very different angle where I loved the first four Muse albums and... Mm. I'd say around that time, actually, it felt like everyone that I knew, everyone my age, Muse was like the one band that everyone was like, yeah, they're good. Mm. Nobody particularly had a problem with Muse until about 2009. It was when the resistance came out that people started to be like, oh, hang on. Yeah. Maybe not. Some people kind of drifted away and stuff. But Did you ever consider buying a tie-dye Muse waistcoat? Because I'm sure they were probably available. Uh, I definitely didn't. A bow tie? a bow tie no i feel like a tie-dye waistcoat now if it didn't have muse's logo on maybe i'd i might you know i might try it on a tie-dye waistcoat you never know what are you fucking like a nazem hoodie or something you fucking paul daniels (laughs) (laughs) better than philip schofield yes i mean yeah it is but is who's worse muse or philip schofield that is Ooh, a question we will try and get to the, the bottom of. One for the mirror this week, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, so, you know, it was the Muse tie, really, that really played. It played a big part in my my dislike of Muse because before I was, mm. you know, I was just like, I don't really, I'm not really sure about this. Um, and then he was just a bell end as well, that guy. Shall I give his name out? Because he won't be listening. Uh, did, is he the one who went to ask Lars Fredrickson for the autograph for you? No, he wasn't was actually. That else? No, oh, that, that okay. guy was uh, quite nice. Oh, that's a show. All right, we'll give his name out anyway. Alex Hall. Oh. Doing that for Polly, really, because like my girlfriend listens to this and she knows him as well. She'll be like, oh, yeah, cuss him out. It's not that great Hilarious. a thing. To, yeah. Not that great a thing to do. Apparently, he works for Championship Manager now. You know the computer What's game? That? Oh, the, 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 the game. Football, oh, fair enough. Football Manager. Fair play to him. Oh, I love football. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what their dress code is in the Football Manager <laughs> offices, but. Football Manager ties. He's got a tie. Um,. <laughs> Yeah, Muse tie. I just thought, no, this is rubbish. Like, you don't have a... I, even, I don't even think Coldplay would bring out a tie. Are there any bands you would be willing to sort of let release a tie as part of their Duran Duran. Is that it? Well, I mean, the, the aesthetic of Duran Duran, they would, the skinny... The new mm. wave thing, people wore ties. Yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't want to cut... Like, the bands like the Kaiser Chiefs, they were wearing ties, weren't they? Skinny t- I mean, look... I was guilty of this a little bit, wearing kind of pink and black stripy um, polar neck shirts with a Billy Joe red tie. Uh, you know, I was, and, and like black mm. eyeliner. We all did it. We all did it. But I just got a normal, just went to Moss Bros and got a tie. I didn't get a bloody... Ooh, pop. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you were in it too much. Hey, mate, I'm not, you know... I'm, I'm going to see the Academy is. I'm not going to just go where any I need to dress <laughs> not up Not getting a in the tie. 2000s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. But um, I mean, you spoke about resistance there. But before we get yeah. into it, I never liked them. And I feel like, you know, I'm sort of setting myself up already to be like, fuck this band. So Sam, 
we'll be serious for a second what's good yes. about muse please um i mean unfortunately in the context of the albums that have come in the wake of about 2009 it becomes quite hard to defend that position i mean the thing that i liked about muse um on i mean less so showbiz i think showbiz is a kind of interesting debut and then from origin of symmetry through to black holes and revelation i think they absolutely nail the kind of overblown pomposity with just enough kind of knowingness that you feel like you're included in the way that you get with queen or one of the uh, less kind of smug prog rock bands of the 70s and things like that i think they managed to do that kind of grandiose almost power pop um in a progressive framework really really well until their egos get the better of them essentially that's why i think that those early muse albums i mean i've not gone back to them for quite a while so who knows if they do hold up knowing what i know now but that was what appealed to me back then it was excessive and overblown but it didn't feel um egotistical alt prog Alt prog pop. I think pop right. is a quite important factor in what music are doing. In the same way that I'd say like Biffy Claro now are a prog pop band. And I actually think they're better for bringing the pop into their kind of more mm. angular sound. But anyway, yes. I mean, alt prog pop, we'll call them that. I can't deny that Matt Bellamy is talented. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But then I think there are a lot of people that are talented and they waste their talents sort of fannying around, really. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think... Um, that mate you made... What's the geezer who made Donnie Darko? Oh, God. Um, Richard... Uh, I can't remember because he didn't really do loads after. Well, did he, he didn't, did he? Because he did a, he no. did Southland Tales, I remember. I was like, this guy's a genius. He made Donnie Darko. It's brilliant. And then he made um, this film with Sarah Jessica Parker. Massively overambitious. Yeah, it was like eight like hours long. Flop, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're obviously... You're very talented, but you're fannying around too much. And I kind of... That, that maybe is one of the things that frustrates me about Muse. But anyway, we don't need to talk about the early years of Muse because I think, like you said, you're right to bring up um, The Resistance and The Second Law. Now, Sam and I are people who we are f from the kind of alternative and rock background and scene, basically. So I think rather than coming from the... Because Muse massively crossed over, obviously. They're a stadium-sized mm. band. The Resistance and the Second Law, I think, were the albums where people started to really go like, whoa there, steady on, lads. <laughs> um, and I thought maybe, maybe not the world, but certainly people within rock and the kind of rock and metal scene were waking up to how sort of bum and pretentious and boring and overblown Muse were. I, w I would say it's the pretense that really creeped in around this time that did make it m made me less enthusiastic about them. I mean, so I've seen the only time I've seen Muse, I did see them on the Second Law tour. Um, I remember finding the resistance, yeah, pompous and overblown and weirdly dull. Like for this kind of symphonic, you know, kind of sprawling, expansive album that ends with this five piece suite or whatever, I find it really kind of bereft of any sort of uh, ideas or enthusiasm. The Second Law, I think it just was on the cusp of being able to appeal to me when I was still a little wanker metalhead who was like, oh, dubstep's rubbish. They're doing it with real instruments now. So <laughs> I kind of got sucked into, sucked into the marketing with that. Uh, the second law is bad. I saw someone, when we said this was going to be the first crap pop back, I saw someone on Twitter saying, no, no, the second law is much worse. And it's not. The second law is better than this, but that is damning with faint praise. For me, it's Drones, the album after that, where I fully checked out on Muse. I was like, this is so dull now. I just do not give a fuck. It feels like every single album is a reaction to 
the kind of critical apathy that they get every time, or even the audience apathy, I would say, rather than critical. But mm. yeah, well, I think the second that's... law is definitely where the pretense comes in, though, because they were saying like, oh, all this dubstep, oh, they just make it on computers. Now we're going to do it, but with our guitars and our pedals, it's like, right, okay, that's much more difficult i'm sure getting your chaos pad and running your plectrum over it to make some whoops and wobs yeah which one sounds better ultimately yeah exactly um i mean look obviously like there are there are a huge amount of bands who at some point in their career used to be really interesting and quite and good and have become Mm. incredibly average but are now really too big to fail i mean red hot chili peppers i've already mentioned i think the foo fighters would probably fall into that kings of leon u2 even um i say u2 even like yeah, you two have been bad for quite a long time, as much as quite I love them. Time, yeah. um, but Muse were like those bands. They are too big, really, mm. to fail. So nothing's going to take them out of stadiums, regardless of what happens mm. with them on record, really. But I still felt like the grumbling, certainly from kind of rock fans, from the sort of Kerrang, from like a lot of friends of mine who, who did quite like Muse, um, mm. from 2009 to about 2013, I feel like that kind of, amplified quite a lot and for me i didn't and i still haven't listened to either of those albums i doubt i ever will <laughs> you would hate the second law steve because i know that one of the things that you don't like about muse is the kind of overblown pomp of it there's a song on the second law called supremacy oh uh, no not supremacy fuck what's it called it's a song they used for the 2012 olympics you would absolutely detest it mm. it would be like the least stephen hill song i can imagine so i would say don't bother I'm not going to listen to them, no. I, I assumed you weren't, but just, just to flag up, don't listen to it. Not, you'll, you'll hate it. Not going to listen to that. No, 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 no. So for me, I think really, that's a little bit of context prior to this. And like you mentioned drones. So for me, it was 2015 when Muse were confirmed to headline the Download Festival that the, all of the stuff that I was getting told was that the big, this is the big rock comeback for them. Like there was a kind of acknowledgement that the last half a decade had been a bit ropey and that they hadn't really been at their best and that, you know, like maybe they they weren't doing the thing that their fans wanted or, or whatever. And they were booked for the biggest rock festival in Britain. And I remember mm. thinking it was quite a shocking booking, really. I remember thinking, like, I'm actually pretty surprised that, that Muse, because at that point, you know, we'd never had Biffy headline download we still haven't had all the bands that they still keep going on about oh they'll headline you know we hadn't had bring me we're gonna get bring me in the next mm. like couple of weeks as we record or the next week as we record um you know paramore foo fighters pearl jam chili peppers green day um blink 182 chuck any of those bands you know whatever band you want to chuck in there right they mm. hadn't and still haven't headline download and muse were one of those bands that you looked at and you went, oh, are Download ever going to get one of those bands? And it kind of felt like both a big deal and a bit of a weird book. And I thought this is a really big booking considering Muse are, you know, potential Glastonbury headliners. Mm. But it's also something that I think might make your average Downloads goer, particularly with Muse's reputation at that point, be a bit like, ah. Eh? But I thought if they released an album that was suitable, then it might actually be quite a coup for download at that point do you remember uh, muse being confirmed for download 2015 and what your thoughts were around that time uh, i do remember them being confirmed uh and i remember being kind of a bit nonplussed to be honest i was like oh well um i saw them in 2013 as i say and i think for me having having seen them at that point and starting to lose interest in their material anyway the big thing was it's like well they're going to bring a big spectacle but 
I mean, say this for almost every band in the world, it's like, but I've seen Rammstein now and they actually do all of the spectacular things on stage. Whereas for Muse and, and Rob Zombie and the like, you know, any band that is incorporated loads and loads of pyro and light shows and stuff, it all kind of happens around them and it's not nearly as engaging. So I remember Muse getting announced and I think I was just annoyed that Faith No More was subbing them, but obviously they would have to because Faith No More don't play stadiums. Um, yeah, I think I was not very bothered. Had I have been there that day, I I would have seen Muse for a bit just for old time's sake, go and listen to Knights of Cydonia or whatever. But yeah, I wasn't all that bothered myself. Yeah, so I went, right. So we get drones in 2015 and I think... Um, I think drones came out um, around, like, kind of at download. It was maybe like a few days before. Yeah, it wasn't long before. Yeah. It might have been like the week before, because looking at it, it came out on the 5th of June. So download mm. would be, so yeah, it would be like the weekend before download that the album came out. So yeah. um, I was on Team Up Radio a lot of the time, and I remember there were a couple of songs from that album that we played, and people were going, Muse are back, they're going to do rock music mm. again. And I just thought, oh, this is, you know, it's meant to be this return to rock. I can't really remember what it sounded like. It sounded like another shitty Muse album to me. Um, and whilst I was at Download in 2015, obviously, like you say, I watched Faith No More, who subbed them, who were great. They played up against Marilyn Manson and Andrew WK, right? Now, mm. I watched a little bit of Marilyn Manson, um, not much at all, but a little tiny bit of Marilyn Manson. It was raining quite badly, so getting up that hill was a bastard. I had to review yep. Andrew WK for Metal Hammer, so I watched all of Andrew WK, who didn't do as long a set as either of the other two headliners. Uh, Andrew WK was brilliant. It was packed. Manson nice. had a big crowd, as you would expect, headlining the second mm. stage. And Muse had, like, oh, it's not, it wasn't a small crowd, right? Mm. It wasn't a small crowd, but it was not, for a band of headline Glastonbury and for a band who plays stadiums reg, mm. on, on the reg uh, and had been <laughs> doing that for at least sort of five or six years on, yes. the, on the reg, it wasn't a massive crowd. Like Slipknot was a massive crowd. ACDC, the massive crowd. Metallica, mm. Iron Maiden, those bands get absolutely gargantuan massive crowds i remember i always kind of judge it by that you know download on the kind of stage left there's a um there's a kind of disabled ramp and people yes. in wheelchairs yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. so i always judge it like how easily can you get in front of that if you can just wander through if you can just wander down and there's nobody there first time i saw yeah. events first time event sevenfold did it 2014 wander down past there trying to get there for metallica pretty much <laughs> impo fucked, impossible yeah. right and that's the kind of the sliding scale of how sort of popular like those headliners are, right? Biffy, mm. unfortunately, when they played it again, like walk straight past, in you go. Um, and such a shame because that was a fucking brilliant set as well, their 2017 headliner. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. And I think for Muse, it wasn't like, you know, walking in an empty field. Mm. But you didn't have to push to get to the front. You could kind of amble on down quite easily. So it wasn't massive. And I thought Muse were all right. You know, like people going about what an amazing, like, let's like say, a great big live spectacle they are. So I was expecting mm. pyro and fucking robots and, you know, flying kangaroos and all this kind of shit. And all we got really was just a big telly. I've said this before, mm. it's become a thing. They brought the a big real, telly. You got yeah, a yeah. big telly. You went to Curry's, you went, <laughs> and then went, we got a 32 inch. I went, no, no, we want the 64 inch. I'm not talking about a small telly. I'm talking about a <laughs> medium sized telly. They what's the biggest telly you have? The no, that's biggest, too big. That's too big. <laughs> the biggest telly 
it was just the whole back of, I'm not fucking probably you know the one nice thing I will say about Muse is they do have probably the biggest telly I've ever seen that's fair mm-hmm. Darren Lamb's got quite a big one though it's a bit too big for his flat Darren Lamb extras oh yeah Darren deep, deep Lam- yeah clearly. do you know when you said Darren Lamb I uh, I thought you meant the. Have you seen that guy with blue hair and uh, who take who used to be a photographer? He was took photos. Um, not took photos. He was like the king of the paparazzi. He was like the main paparazzi guy, and he had Darren Lyons. I think his name is. He's a fucking absolute bellend. He s- sounds like a bellend. No, I can't say I know him, but he sounds terrible. He's terrible. He's an Australian bloke. He was on a load of reality TV stuff. He's fat, but he got oh shit. He, yeah, got, he got the surgically enhanced, <laughs> got surgically enhanced belly. gut. Yeah. So he's got a six pack <laughs> on a big belly. Like mate, this is not. It's not yeah, impressive. I remember him. Yeah, it's yeah. not impressive. Just having <laughs> little bu- bubbles on your. Anyway, I thought you meant him and for that's, a minute. That's Muse. That's what Muse are. And that's what Muse are. Yeah, so Muse had a fucking, <laughs> like, they had this big old telly. So you could see, like, you could see Matt Bellamy's nasal hair. Nice. The most famous nasal hair ever to grace the Download, Download. Festival yeah, yeah. main stage, arguably. I mean, yeah, I think I, I struggle to think who else it could be. James Hetfield keeps himself quite well groomed, so yeah. it's got to be Matt Bellamy, hasn't it? Yeah, and with that Tash mm. getting, you would you know, is it Tash or is it nasal hair? Who knows? <laughs> Where's the line? Where's the line? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, but you know, look, they were they were quite good. I thought they sure. were they were quite they were quite good. It wasn't amazing. I thought they were quite good. Mm. I was just a bit annoyed that it was not that big a spectacle. I was like, "Where's the fucking spaceship? Where's all the stuff?" Mm. I thought I you were that, like Ramstein. That's what I thought. Yeah, because I, um, having watched like the the Wembley live DVD and everything, they do have you know a fair bit of theatre. And when I saw them um, at the Emirates Stadium in 2013, uh, which I look well, sort of trying to think back, I remember it feeling pretty fucking sold out. You know, it was a big old crowd. Um, yeah, they had this like giant light bulb that sort of. Um, drifted around the inside of the stadium with a ballerina suspended from it. It's like, well, that is quite spectacular. But at this point, I'm not actually watching music. I'm kind of watching what's going on. And a big light the music bulb. Isn't really, big the music isn't interesting enough. Yeah, yeah it was big, a big valve amp that the <laughs> light bulb went into at the end. It was great. Yeah, um, They just get a really big household item on the next news <laughs> tour. Well, we got the biggest radiator in... The world's biggest ironing board. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Going to iron a really big, really big shirt. Well, <laughs> whilst playing Black Holes and what's that song from Black Holes and Revelations? Starlight, yeah, whatever, doesn't matter. Oh, supermassive black hole, supermassive black, black hole, hole. Yeah, yeah. Um, the more obvious one. Anyway, I thought tough break for Muse in a lot of ways because they got Andrew WK, mm. who was kind of riding high on this kind of um, this nostalgia for the album. You know, I get wet, which had come out you mm-hmm. know, a few years before, uh, or the, the tenth anniversary tour that he'd done a few years before, and people were like, oh, "I love Andrew WK," and obviously. Marilyn Manson is fucking catnip to download download go, isn't he? Like they 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 yeah. fucking they they love him. They still love him, even they after everything he's there he's this done, year. Yeah, they yeah. still love him. They'd still rather have him than have Turnstile. Good bands, yeah. yes. Um, so kind of a tough break for Muse, but I sort mm-hmm. of remember thinking around that time. Well, they aren't ever going to give a fuck about what rock fans think about them ever again, are they? They're now so big that they can be like, well, like we always say about bring me like, why would you care? Mm. Like they're just, they're just not going to care. And I think they pretty much haven't really cared since. And I think when that evening, when I went away from the Muse show, 
thinking they don't give a fuck about rock fans anymore. I think they proved just how disinterested they were by going away and making this album, really, didn't they? Mm. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily disinterest in rock. Um, I think if you look at the three album... I think, actually, if you look at the last four Muse albums, this one included now... I think it's not necessarily a disinterest in anything. I think it's just an interest in kind of keeping up with the zeitgeist, which feels like a weird thing for Muse, where it felt like on the first four albums, less of the resistance. They were kind of forging their own path a little bit. And then you look at the second law where they do dubstep because dubstep is quite a big thing. I mean, even Korn, you know, Korn had done their dubstep album at this point. You then get uh, drones where it's like, oh, let's appeal to the rock fans. I suppose rock's having, well, rock, maybe not having such a resurgence. But then you get this. And I can't help but notice that simulation theory comes uh, just that little bit after things like Stranger Things and 80s revivalism. It just fe- it feels a little cynical, doesn't it, Steve? It does. The way I like that Muse will just bounce around their styles and genres based on what's popular on Netflix at the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. So they're going to do a um, love at first sight uh, inspired <laughs> album on the on the next uh, the next Muse album. I look forward to hearing that. Um, I'm sure you do. Yes. That, so yeah, and it's weird actually because there's a fair bit of chat looking at it in the interim period with Matt Bellamy saying that he wanted to make a more stripped album uh, maybe in an acoustic album and there are actually weirdly some acoustic versions of these songs which i just didn't yeah i just didn't bother listening to oh mate uh, as you've not listened to them i mean somehow um stripping everything away all the kind of pomp and absurdity from this album does actually make it worse the acoustic version of something human is on the playlist at work and i fucking hate it mm. it's probably the song i hate most that's on the work playlist i should really take it off yeah i mean I wouldn't, playlist, so. I wouldn't want an acoustic version of block rocking beats by the chemical brothers do you know what i mean or an acoustic version of uh pressure by the bug and flow down (laughs) you just wouldn't (laughs) want that so i'm kind of glad they ditched that uh they also said that he might experiment with hip-hop now can you imagine if this had been muses for the same year as (laughs) to pimp a butterfly came out muse brought out (laughs) there The hip hop album. Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is a few years after *To Pimp a Butterfly*. To be fair, mate, so they would even be catching playing catch up with that. This would be the same year as *Damn*. Oh yeah, sorry. I was for some reason yeah, I was yeah. thinking of drones again. Um, no, 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 yeah, yeah. See, that would have been funny if they'd have yeah. had some *Pimp a Butterfly* samples on drones in the middle of like *Psycho* or something. Yeah, would have loved that. Get the chorus for *King Kunter* on there, brilliant. Yeah, would have been ve- like. I mean, can you imagine? Um, there was also the rumor from drummer Dominic Howard that the band might bin off albums altogether. Sounds like a good idea to me. Do, and, yeah. and just do singles and EPs because the album album format was dead and or dying or something. I mean, that's a fairly common thing for modern artists mm-hmm. to do now, but it doesn't really feel like the sort of thing a band like Muse should do. I remember Ash did that for a while. They were like, oh, album, mm. no one cares about albums anymore. And it's like, yeah, but people will care about Ash albums because your fans are people who like albums. It's fine yeah. to do that if you're, you know, like AJ Tracy. But I don't mm. think it's a very good idea for a, a rock band who's most of their fans still... I don't know, like you said, it feels like kind of going for the zeitgeist again, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're trying to follow in the footsteps of, well, yeah, as you say. Or I suppose, actually, thinking about it, it'd be a lot of the sort of mumble rap stars that were coming around this time, the sort of SoundCloud rap and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so trying to follow that business model um, whilst also trying to get on the Stranger Things soundtrack and presumably a Back to the Future reboot. They're probably trying to instigate looking at the artwork. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Um, 
they didn't do any of those things. I think that's probably quite a good idea that they didn't do any yeah, of those things. Yeah. And instead, it was decided that the band would make a thematically darker yet sonically brighter album about how we are, in Matt Bellamy's words, just all lumps of code in unusually lumpy sims. Huh? Mm. Huh? What? One more, one more time, Matt. Can you, can you clarify? We're that? just all lumps of code in unusually lumpy sims. Yeah, no, I think what you've done there, Matt, is you've just said words. You've just said lump and lumpy <laughs> a few times. It's like a president of the United States single out. Right? I know, it is, isn't it? So yeah. it is about simulated reality and all that kind of sci-fi mm. guff. It's a sort of imaginative, unimaginative shite that every Fear Factory album has been about <laughs> since 1995 and every boring, yes. low-budget sci-fi film post The Matrix has been talking about. Mm-hmm. This is not, like, please, this is not interesting. This is not in- this is not interesting. The idea of going, oh god, well, hey, you know, computers are so and the social medias and we're all plugged mm. into and we're all looking at screens. Well, I mean, what, what is real and what's not? What's not real? Yeah, oh, very that's very very astute. What an astute very point. Wise. What a what yeah. what like, oh, no one's ever thought that before, have they? Oh, what an astute. <laughs> hey. Cool, you're really fucking ahead of the curve there, aren't you? It's it's crap. Absolutely hey crap. Guys, what if the internet was bad, right? That's my story, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the, the whole kind of simulation theory anyway, I mean, it uh, it ties in well with seemingly Matt Bellamy's um, overuse of magic mushrooms over the year because it's definitely things that conspiracy theorists and kind of snake oil salesmen and grifters like Andrew Tate subscribe to. I mean, it's how they get fucking closeted bedroom school shooters to subscribe to their fucking university platforms. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Fucking it hell. definitely ties in with people like Matt Bellamy. Yeah, Matt Bellamy's a a, a, a fruity man, isn't he? He's a he's mm. a bit of a he's not your normal um, your normal like just average rock star. He no, is no, and like he said, has been tarred with the mad brush. He is, and he doesn't look like he should be. He looks like a sort of just a little kind of sort of snuffly little weasel man. <laughs> Weasel, probably. <laughs> weasel, weasel, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, he's fucking, he's all about this shit. And I just think like, again, I think the going like, oh, space is exciting and all of, you know, oh, what our con- unconscious minds, what we could achieve. But honestly, that whole fucking, oh, we're in the matrix. It's just, mm. it's just so boring. Like I would, I, I beg that no band ever, and I tell you what, I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll even inc- as much as I love them, I'll even include Code Orange in that because Code Orange get away with it because you can ignore it and just go, these songs are fucking great. Mm. But I don't particularly need the kind of thematic through line narrative, whatever. I don't need that particularly, even from a band who I absolutely love, like Code Orange. Mm. I certainly don't need it from fucking Muse. Shut up! Shut up! Mm. Shut up! Shut up! It's the intellectual narcissism that really fucking pisses me off. It's like, we, we've exposed the secret that nobody else knows about, that actually we're all in a film that came out in 1999. It's like, oh, I see. Well, yeah. well done, Matt. Um, you gave me giving away your tickets for free then, seeing as uh, money doesn't exist if we're all in a simulation. Ultimately, everything's meaningless. 
definitely. Yeah. Oh no, hang on. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> snake oil. That was the thing, wasn't it? Two hundred and fifty pound yeah, yeah. plus booking yeah. fees. Uh, so apparently, sonically, they wanted to blend two eras together. So they were inspired by the fifties, nineteen eighty three and nineteen eighty six, presumably. <laughs> yeah um, sorry go on <laughs> the 50s aesthetic of lana del rey should okay. they say who's like I hate, again i hate to break this to you guys just wearing a big dress and a, a sort of a skirt with like having a, your hair a, done a, nice <laughs> does, yeah doesn't make you from the 50s no. But they cited Lana Del Rey as a 1950s inspiration. And that, to me, is... Like, that's... That is one of the... Like, that says... I think that says everything about it. Oh, we were so inspired by the 50s. Were you? No, we were inspired by somebody who's actually inspired by the 50s. Someone who yeah. just wears a big petticoat. Oh, we love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not... That's not the 50s, you fucking bellends. Like... No. Why aren't you talking talking about stuff that actually are oh, we inspired from stuff that actually happened in the fifties? No, we're inspired by someone who who likes the fifties. Like, come on. So anyway, it was the nineteen fifties aesthetic of Lana Del Rey, and it says here, video games. We, we video love them. games. We all of them. So, Which ones? Don't know. Do, yeah, <laughs> don't know. Yeah. Is it Dark Souls? Is it Armored Core? No, Lana, no, Lana Del Rey meets Pac Man. That's what I want. <laughs> well. I mean, I'm sure there's a, some illustrious modders out there. I mean, you may not want to see it, to be fair, Steve. Some of the things people make on the internet. Uh, no, Ooh, I'm not sure. No. I mean, that is just so fucking vague, isn't it? Oh, yeah, the 50s <laughs> as done by people now. And, like, video games? What would you mean? What, like, Assassin's Creed and Mario Kart? Like, what? Like, what? Uh, <laughs> what? Fucking, like, be more... Fu- like, I'll say one thing I will say. I when like When the Periphery album came out earlier this year... And they yeah. had gone, oh, we were really inspired by the man who made the music from Final Fantasy. No, very much so, yeah, the Final Fantasy component. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. You go, oh, okay, okay. Like, I'm not really, I don't know what that is. And I'm not that fucking fussed by it, whatever. You've made a good album, sure. good for you. But just going, yeah, computer games, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what fucking snake? We- what, snake and dead space? Wait, like, what? <laughs> but- I mean, oh, blimey. What? That's it. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Very, I, I like the idea that maybe they'll do an album about the French Revolution um, or, or just revolutionary France generally, not necessarily the actual revolution because they really like Kirsten Dunst because she was in that film about it, wasn't she? Mm, yeah. So they do that and then do uh, combine it with their love of cinema. So they'll do Kirsten Dunst by way of Cinderella and Hostel Part 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be good, that. Yeah, yeah. Josie and the Pussycats and the Saw franchise uh, <laughs> meets uh, Russell Crowe. Because he was Master in and Commander Le- and yeah, <laughs> yeah. brilliant. And the rest. Oh yeah, right, yeah, right. I know. You got a really clear vision for what your album is. Um, it was also inspired, of course, it was, of course, it was inspired by the state of politics in a post-Brexit and Trump world, just like fucking every other bloody thing that came out around that time. Mm. This is, you know, when people go, oh, at least we'll get some good music. I mean, this really does shit on that theory that that happens now doesn't it it really does yeah yeah not great so anyway 
Uh, after the Drones World Tour, they went into Air Studios in London and worked on the new album, concentrating on one song at a time rather than the entire album. Apparently, they worked on the album with no overarching theme in mind, which makes the decision to make it this bullshit Matrix thing <laughs> at the last minute even more mm. odd. Um, yes. In May of 2017, the band released the first song from the album, Dig Down, um, with a video that sees them all wearing VR masks and they're on TV screens and Matt Bellamy's dressed like Max Headroom, which is very current, isn't it? Max Headroom <laughs> from the 80s. I mean... Yeah. Inspired by the 50s. Inspired by the 50s, but about the state of the world today. Like the next thing we should have Matt Bellamy on an iPhone screen dressed as Panthro from Thundercats. Like, it just... <laughs> Wearing a virtual boy. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, this is fucking all over the place, lads. Absolutely all over the place. I'll get in, obviously, we'll get into the music in a little bit. But I just watched mm. that video and I was like, it just chucking shit at a wall, wasn't it? I remember that uh, single and video coming out. And I think <laughs> it was the first time with Muse where I just went, nah, you're all right. I, I mean, I didn't listen to this album on release. Uh, I listened to it quite a way after when I'd kind of heard rumours about... Um, its quality should we say but yeah i remember seeing that video and it was like what the fuck are you doing you're so just trying to play into this kind of 80s revivalist nostalgia that forgets all the bad bits of the 80s and just focuses on the kind of uh pastel colors basically mm -hmm. yeah uh mm -hmm. thought contagion and something human were both released as singles before the album i didn't watch the video so to be honest uh, i want to very briefly before we get into the reviews of the record talk about the artwork which was designed by carl lambert who it won't shock you to learn if you've seen the artwork did all the designs for Stranger Things. Uh, imagine mm. aping and asking for a copy of something, which is just a clear and obvious pastiche and copy of something else. I mean, Stranger Things is clearly going, ha, remember the 80s. Let's do a thing mm. like the 80s. And Muse have gone, ha, remember that thing that remembers the 80s? Can we <laughs> can we have a thing? Can we have a, a copy of a copy of a thing that remembers a thing? I mean... This is nostalgia eating nostalgia eating nostalgia. I not watch Stranger Things and it might be really, really good, but mm. I always feel a bit. I felt weird about the show because I watched it and I sort of thought people go, "Oh, it's like the Spielberg films of when you when we were kids," and it's like, yeah, exactly like them. And you've got them. I've got them. I've got ET, yeah. haven't I? And you know, Flight of the Navigator, which I watched recently, it was bloody great. Of course he did. Of course he did. Of course I did. Yeah. What else are you gonna do? I'm not gonna watch it. What's the point of watching something new? It's yeah, just gonna be right. a bit like Flight of the Navigator, isn't it? So I might as well just watch Flight. Of the... That's it. That's the yeah, problem. Like Hostel Part Two. Yeah. Hostel Part Two. Yeah. Which really reminds me of Goonies, but um, yeah. But I just, you know, I remember I sort of watched that and I just thought, why don't you make it about now and about stuff that's happening now, but make it as magical and for kids as we had when we were in the 80s stop going on going back to oi kids it's much better when i was growing up go mm. on like this i just i just feel i just feel a bit bad for young people today without who don't have something it feels like you know adults with arrested development like me mm. maybe admittedly are just forcing their own childhood on young people i mean not this has really got anything to do with music album but that's just sort of how i feel about this the kind of really, really clear 80s nostalgia in something like Stranger Things. Mm. Uh, I've not watched it. So, yeah, I'll take you away for it. All right, fair That's enough. That's all I have to say on it. 
yeah um mm. yeah i just i don't know i mean that's not like i say got anything to do with muse really but it is just uh, they're playing into it aren't they they're just doing they're just playing into it even more they're part of the yeah. problem yeah, absolutely. And combining it with the kind of, um, I mean, around this time you would have had YouTube channels and things like Critical Role who were uh, bringing Dungeons and Dragons into the, back into the kind of geek mainstream alongside the Marvel things that mean that geek culture is the mainstream anyway. So yeah, it's basically combining everything to make the uh, algorithmically most popular TV program of the time. But, happy days yeah. um let's happy get days, into indeed. the reviews of the record so the album has a score of 60 out of 100 on metacritic which is okay really uh mm -hmm. the guardian gave it three out of five saying you can however perhaps see why he felt muse needed a change talking about matt, Me matt bellamy after all there are probably only so many times you can record wildly overblown songs about your pathological dread of the power structures of a future world without wondering whether it's a fit pastime for an adult so Simulation Theory comes trailed as Muse's synth pop album. It's not heavily inspired by 80, the 80s. Well, in its covers are less so in the music. New producers are on board. Among them, Shellback and Timberland charged with finding a new face to Muse, which they do to a certain extent. Propaganda sounds like Muse are trying to be Prince, which isn't entirely convincing, while Get Up and Fight bolts on a power ballad chorus to an elegantly restrained verse. Pitchfork gave it 6 out of 10. That's over twice as good as The Fragile by Nine Inch Nails, yep. saying this is a band that has given up on trying to look cool to most anyone so muse do hear what they've always done and likely always will do throw money at their latest fancy with the indiscriminate earnest taste of a teenage boy uh q also gave it a three star rating uh, i couldn't find the review though rolling stone gave it two stars saying most of simulation theory could be about our surveillance state and or a relationship the blurring results in clunkiness um this is is this an album about a relationship where the metaphor is about our weird government or an album about the government where the metaphor is a troublesome yet irresistible woman take comparing a woman's words to propaganda or the other way around i'm the ocean you're an oil slick now i'm choking on all your thought pollution you make me offers that i can't refuse you keep telling pretty lies or break it to me a funk metal song which could be about love fake news or love in the time of fake news keep it inside and don't edit and redact and no dumbing down or take the sappy something human a duet with a vocoder android that sounds like college is a real hero uh mixes with mixed with rod stewart's forever young i need your love and something human he please his robot pal croons like how 9000 diy magazine gave it three out of five saying something human is almost admirable in its absurdity the lawsuit from atomic kittens hole again is in the post it fucking is as well and if you <laughs> And if a Muse album isn't meant to make you laugh, gasp, and double take in its ridiculousness, then I don't want to hear it. Uh, Enemy slightly bucked the trend by giving the album four stars, saying, overall, no. Simulation Theory is not blessed with the madcap class of their 2001 masterpiece, Origin of Symmetry, or the pure rock abandon of drones. Actually, though, it's wrong to compare this record to the band's back catalogue. Yes, this is still Muse, but here they're trying to be something else. Well, everything else. They are avatars in a ridiculous simulation of teenage nerdery, inviting you to steal away from the nightmare and into an electric dream um i went oh, on amazon one's red philip oh, oh, well lovely. done yeah, yeah. good uh <laughs> i went on amazon.co.uk for some funny comments and reviews Go of on. this album well ironically a bit like the cliff richard album <laughs> big crossover there uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's weird cd sleeve most of the complaints were that you just don't get a vinyl with the download card and nothing against the music it's quite harsh that is quite harsh really. one, all the one stars were like where's my vinyl where's my vinyl it's like you don't need it on vinyl we're in a simulation you only need a download code haven't you listened yeah, to the album possessions are just meaningless anyway. exactly yeah, yeah. um we should also say harking back to uh 
my time as a podcaster. Uh, I also reviewed this album when it came out on Riot. You did? Yeah. You did. Would you, would you like a quote from that? Oh, yeah, go on then. I've got a quote I've got, as well. Go on. I've got, we might have the same one. Uh, I've got a quote from Doubt Stephen it. Hill to sum up uh, Simulation Theory. This album is a midlife crisis. A fat, bald man with a ponytail in an REO Speedwagon shirt in a Lamborghini talking to a girl who works in Spearmint Rhino and trying to get her phone number. Bloody hell, that is a good quote. Succinct, good, I'd say. Yeah. That is a good quote. Uh, the quote I've You're got. Quite good at this. this is not from me. This is from my co-host. Uh, said oh, something, right. something, something. Technically, something, something. Objectively, something, something. Wah tracks. Something, something. Post rock, and then he smashed two liters of tango and tried to have sex with someone's listening's wife. Um, I don't know that. I'm just guessing. Uh, Laura I didn't have that quote. No, fair, I didn't have mate, that no. quote. Law of averages would say that I'm in the correct ballpark, but I didn't actually listen back to. Um, to the right act to check so you've yeah. you've got an official quote there i'm just uh, to be fair that, that's because that's because mate uh, i actually uh, created this file that i am reading from today on the 6th of july 2022 oh. that's how long i've been waiting to give matt bellamy a kick in. <laughs> good um yeah. anyway it went to number one on the uk album chart their sixth number one album on the trot the only other place it went to uh number one in was switzerland got a few top 10 places as well only got to number 12 in the us it has sold unbelievably over a million copies worldwide it went gold in the uk and sold a hundred thousand copies and one tie <laughs> well he needed a new one <laughs> if tie ran out he, got, chatty. he yeah. got he got a he got a um uh a kind of neon pink updated version of the muse yeah, yeah, tie yeah. You get the that bundle inverted offer yeah. that as a bundle you get the download code no vinyl but you get a tie the updated tie. The updated yeah. but also nostalgic 80s tie. Kind of 50s inspired. <laughs> but it's also got, um, you know... The, the, An the, 80s synth pop the, undercurrent. The yeah. car from OutRun stitched into it as well. So brilliant. <laughs> and it says, uh, fuck Trump. <laughs> well edgy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. But anyway, that's what everybody else thinks. And, and me already done it but sam what do you think about simulation theory by muse muths, muths. um oh good lord um so as i say uh the first four muse albums um certainly growing up absolutely loved particularly origin absolution and black holes and revelations fell off fairly massively and i remember dig down coming out as a single and i thought nah i am out of this and uh, I was right, basically. This is easily, easily the worst Muse album. This is a fucking pathetic travesty. I think there is so much wrong with this album, fundamentally. And everything that they're aiming for in their kind of cobbled together, garbled press releases is so obviously undermined. Um, I think the first two songs are kind of fine. They're just a bit bland. Algorithm of the Dark Side, they're just, they're just Muse like they're fine um the issue with them is that matt bellamy does come in and sounds incredibly pompous and so self-satisfied and so hammed up but without any kind of self-awareness where it does sound like he absolutely fucking loves himself and then pressure comes in and from there it is just embarrassing i mean i think pressure the chorus of that um i couldn't help but notice look at the production credits there were 26 different members of um sort of the production team involved in this album across three different locations and however many years it took them to make it i can't believe that that many people would have gone yeah yeah leave that in where it's <laughs> um don't push me Ooh, it's 
fucking pathetic. I've written this song that's meant to be about the fucking breakdown of this dystopian fascistic government, but actually it just sounds like Muse are in their secondary school Mate. asking not to be pushed into a locker. It's fucking awful. <laughs> Do you know what Brayton sounds like? It's so fucking annoying. It sounds like a Vodafone advert from the mid-2000s. Sounds like Muse are the crazy rock band who turn up at a house party randomly and rock out because they got a text from the group chat that was sent really quickly on super fast connection and unsurpassed coverage for a mere £8.99 a month with Vodafone pressure building like (laughs) (laughs) rubbish I mean yeah Dark Side starts off Doctor Who disco uh, musically like not (laughs) awful but I just inoffensive I would say quite inoffensive I I find I think what I realised from listening to this and you've probably got the gist of this already a little bit from what I've been saying throughout the thing I one day I realised when I was listening to Blink-182, it's like, oh, Mark Hoppus is actually maybe the big problem. Um, mm. And it's more of an obvious problem. But Matt Bellamy is... I, I just... I, I find Matt Bellamy unbearable. Unbearable. Yeah. I, on uh, He is just... I, I cannot do whatever, whatever he's doing. Whenever he comes in... Because I find myself going... I have very low expectations of this because this is the worst Muse album, quote unquote, mm. the worst Muse album, right? And then I listen to bits of the music and I'm like, it's a bit kind of flaky, like, but there's some ideas. There's obviously some good ideas here and they are talented and, you know, it sounds good on a pair of headphones or whatever. And then Matt Bellamy comes in and I'm like, nah. Mm. Nah. Go yes, away. We don't need don't need uh, Tom York's uh, simple cousin. Do we? <laughs> no, uh, no. Yeah, I mean, Matt Bellamy is definitely the worst bit of all the Muse albums that have come out since 2009. But I would say that, you know, Chris and Dom essentially kind of facilitating this uh, mad flight of fancy. I mean, they're, they're just yeah. just as much to blame as, as well as all 26 members of the production staff who signed off on this. I will just say, actually, um, so Propaganda, which is the next song after Pressure, which is just as embarrassing. Was it the Guardian review where they said, oh, like print or Prince Aping yeah. or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got that badly wrong because what this reminded me of, the proper, proper, proper propaganda, that's fur, 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 funky, isn't it? <laughs> it's closer to D.D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. King than it is fucking Prince. It is, yeah. And also, so deeply misguided. It's meant to be on this kind of like 80s throwback album, but it goes for that sort of faux dubstep thing that they did with more Nouse on the second law. And they're trying to be sexy. I mean, I do not want to think about Matt Bellamy trying to be sexy when I'm listening to any music. Well, when I'm listening to anything. I mean, especially a music album. It'd be worse if I was thinking it was listening to like Refused or something. But, oh, grim, grim. Um, I think the rest of it... Um, it, it flits between uh, kind of ill-conceived and actively shite. Uh, I think Break It To Me, um, they're trying to do the kind of Eastern mysticism of something like the Beatles and Led Zeppelin, but it sounds like Bad Cooler Shaker for a lot of it. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, I'll come back to Something Human because I think we've got to talk about that in a bit. Get Up and Fight, I found really, really irritating because it sounds like they're just writing an Imagine Dragons song. Imagine Dragon song. But that song was never played on the fucking tour for this album. So what's the point in having it on there? Because it is so throwaway, it is dreadful. Uh, Blockade is rubbish, but not offensively bad. And there is a bit on it where the kind of clipped backing vocals, the sort of um, the, the choirs that are meant to bolster Matt Bellamy's uh, declarations of independence, where they go, smash, toast, that at least made me laugh along with the album rather than at it again. Uh, the Void is really bland and ploddy and dull. Uh, dig Down, actually, do you, do you fi- have anything the void, to say Dig Down, fi- apart from the fact that it's a appalling um dig down i tell you what right 
dig down is actually all right i think i think no no dig down is really bad mate. i think it's going for george michael now i would much rather listen to muse trying to do george michael than i would them trying to do fucking marilyn manson or whatever they're doing on that new album oh on the right? latest one yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're not ever going to compete with that it's quite catchy. It might be my second... I mean, I'd obviously much rather listen to George Michael, but it might actually be my second favourite song on the album. Um, I mean... Well, do you want to know my thought? But the only positive I would say to dig down is that the version we get here is better than the acoustic gospel version, which is the version they would play of this live. Um I think the only other thing that I like about it is there's a bit in the first verse where Matt Bellamy kind of stifles an ooh, and it sounds, it's meant to be sort of, you know, broody and enigmatic, but it actually just reminds me of when my granddad would try and sort of hold in a burp like old men do. He kind of goes, burp, like that. It's dreadful. Doesn't work, mate. Doesn't work. Um, what's your favourite track on this? Because I would say the track that I would get, like, close to liking, I don't mind Thought Contagion. I think it's kind of fine, but... I don't think it's quite it's... catchy. It does the kind of yeah, quiet, loud, yeah, yeah. quiet, loud thing. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. there's the line, they'll never do what you want them to do. Give it up and watch it break through. It's too late for revolution. Brace, Brace for, the for the final, final solution. solution. Mm. Chill out. Oh, Roger Waters oh. over here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, I think, you know, you've got the uh, propaganda is so ridiculous with that big kind of Kanye bass drum loop that that funk thing it's a mishmash of silly shit co-written by timberland mm. and so i think there's like i'm at least like going back to it i think i was like i was like okay break it to me i think it's probably one of the better songs on it as well because i mean it feels like it's been shot out a lot quicker than propaganda um there's not a lot on here that I really like, to be honest. Get Up and Fight is one of the ones I think is quite embarrassing. I think it's actually a little bit yeah. embarrassing. I think Blockade... That's the Imagine Dragons one. It's just like you have just stolen an Imagine Dragons And it's like, yeah, 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 fight the power, guys. Fight yeah, yeah. it. Which one? Do it. Don't Go know. On. Don't know. Yeah. Just all the powers. Blockades is kind of classic muse. Big, bold, over-the-top, bombastic, boring. And I find it quite funny and laughable. It does have some synthy stuff in it. But it does sound much more like how, how I kind of imagine muse to sound. But I don't and really to like be fair, either. I... I think where this album is at its best, it is still, you know, quite embarrassing, but it sounds like what people who don't like Muse think Muse sound like. Mm. But unfortunately, it is what Muse sound like now. Yeah. I mean, The <laughs> Void, I thought that when The Void came on, I thought the album had ended and I had entered into some sort of alternate universe where they'd ask Scouting for Girls to do a Bond theme. <laughs> oh, dear me. That is, that is a harsh. Yeah. I actually, weirdly, considering I kind of stand by the quote you said this is clearly a midlife crisis and this is clearly mm. the scrabbling act of desperation from a band who are really really struggling with who and what they are and i think a bit like with that last muse album which we'll talk about again in a second when we come to kind of surmise everything and do the, the mm. aftermath it it's good to do things and try things new things that is good and i'll tell you what yes. i'll give Muse a little bit of credit for trying new things unfortunately i think the things they're trying like we said are quite zeit a very very we're very zeitgeisty and i think it's all a little bit obvious so we're going to review the new avenge sevenfold album this week right now the yes, difference imminently. between 
the new Avenged Sevenfold album, which chucks a lot of shit at the wall. And this mm. Muse album, I feel like Avenged Sevenfold aren't going, what's popular now? Chuck that shit at the wall. Whereas mm. Muse are going, what's popular now? Chuck that shit at the wall. Avenged are going, we've discovered a load of music, which we've now fallen in love with. Let's see if we can take all of those Wrangle things and, and make yeah. it work, right? Spoiler alert, they do. Um, whereas Muse have gone, let's take Lana Del Rey because she's really popular. Let's take and from the fifties com- computer games because they're popular. <laughs> let's take neon signs because they're popular. Let's take the Drive soundtrack and let's take iPhones and let's see if we can make an album out of that. And we don't really mm. know why. Are you a rock band? Nah, we're too experimental for that well i mean good that you're experimental but you don't really know what you are i mean i would say it's a mixed bag this is not their strong suit is it but then i think their strong suit is making really awful music so who am i to say (laughs) i don't think this is much more dislikable an album than origin of symmetry really when i think about it it doesn't wind me up as much as or even it doesn't wind me up any more than kind of anything muse have ever done really I mean, that's not to say there's not some unbearable crap on this record. Because there is. Something human, yeah. Yeah, I mean, something human, that does sound like Hole Again by... by, I mean, it actually does sound like Atomic Kitten. It It really does. It really does. Like, I'm not an Atomic Kitten fan by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but at least their song isn't just a dreadful uh, set of kind of meaningless platitudes and metaphors on this horrible so self-satisfied smug nasty ballad that's got a fucking theremin in it i mean who wants that maybe people who really really like doctor who but i can't think of anyone else yeah it is that's another one isn't it doctor doctor who is popular mm. oh, doctor who's popular let's chuck that in as well like there even then they missed the boat on that because it's about four years after <laughs> fucking david tennant left i think yeah i mean yeah this is just um this is just like, like I say, musically, I am like, okay, it's really obvious what you're doing here. It's really obvious what you're trying to do. And I'm seeing through it. But that doesn't necessarily mean the songs are bad. The production's quite good. Some of the ideas are all right. A lot of it is ludicrous. But then Muse are ludicrous. And I've always had this thing where, am I laughing with you or am I laughing at you? That's always well, been think... the thing with Muse is, am I laughing with you or am I laughing at you? Because this whole like, you know, oh, we're crazy. And you just go, are they, it's a joke on me. Because I always think I can mm. tell, like type a negative. I go, ah, right, okay. It's a joke. Right, get, okay, fine. You're you're mucking around. This, I, I and with them, I'm just not sure. And particularly with this, I mean, I'm really not sure. Mm. I mean, I would say for me, I think Muse are at their best when you are laughing with them. And I would say there is a sense of fun to Origin of Symmetry and Absolution. And to be fair, they do, I think, start to waver on that a little bit on Black Holes and Revelations, which I know that a lot of the fans of the early, early stuff, that's where they start to kind of um, draw a question mark over how they feel about Muse. But yeah, I mean, best part. Well, yeah, since 2009, it's definitely been laughing at for me anyway. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, I th- I think this is embarrassing though. This album, like you say, I think yeah, you can applaud their willingness to keep trying and sort of uh, experimenting with different ideas and different forms and pushing the things that they're taking influence from. But when it's done so haphazardly and so obvious and so clearly, 
clearly cynically like i don't want to applaud that i think that's absolutely pathetic and ultimately the songs are shit songs are pretty shit yeah no. so we'll rank it in a second but let's see well the band went out on the simulation theory tour in early 2019 filming both of their sold out london o2 shows in the process the tour ended up grossing 100 uh 100 million dollars over 100 million dollars 100.4 million in fact and sold i've got 104 friends <laughs> yeah uh, and sold 1,280,000 tickets across 53 shows which is not Blimey. bad like that i said not bad you know like i said uh they're too big to fail at this point really to be honest um and within a year of this album coming out they had started to remix and remaster and release versions of both of their first two albums so in a lot of ways when you think about like why is this album here i think it's because it's really the moment where after the kind of the law of diminishing returns reached the point where muse almost had to just go for broke in the most cynical way Mm. and then even they realized after this that their best days essentially are behind them they got shit they went back to rock no one cared for that too much. They released this mad fucking zeitgeisty, very different album. Most people kind of shrugged that off. Few people genuinely hated it. And so they've just got to kind of accept that they're a nostalgia act at this point and that their best days are behind them. Although saying that, they were gr- Grammy nominated for that weird album from last year that wasn't in the hat because obviously it wasn't out when we first started putting stuff in the hat way back when. But I'll tell you what, I actually, prefer, I think I prefer this to that last album. Do you? I yeah. definitely prefer the the more recent one. Not by loads, but I definitely prefer the more recent one because I think at least that is so shamelessly ripping off other people, whereas this is just trying to. This has still got that kind of air of like, oh, what we're doing is really important, and we're we're writing about real issues through the framework of the Matrix that we're all living in. Mm. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You put that, cause my my last uh, note on this entire podcast just says "fuck off, Muse," and that is basically. <laughs> yeah put it on my gravestone guys fuck off muse um but we gotta rank this sam we gotta rank it here it goes in the ranking uh Mm. you got the rankings in front of you yeah boy broadly speaking before we get into it where around does this sit do you think i think so this album is bad i think this is you know pretty pathetic kind of from start to finish i think there are moments that are just bland that kind of save it from being at the very very top um but ultimately i'm thinking around the kind of the embarrassing bit so like when you look through the list as we've got it you've got the albums at the bottom that are actually you know maybe get a worse rap than they deserve you've got some that are just a bit daft but you kind of enjoy them they're a bit funny like up to probably macho man randy savage i think that's one where it's like I, I would enjoy that if I put it on, but I'm not going to put it on again because I've listened to it more than enough. Um, you get a really boring little run, or I'd say up to Viva Brother. So I'm thinking it's going to go somewhere around Puddle of Mud and Morbid Angel because it is embarrassing and crap. <laughs> the, the perfect combination. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Now, so... I mean, what's your counter? Well, look... Or what the- are you thinking? Viva Brothers, famous first words, I think it's just was kind of folly for for Britpop, right? I mean, mm. this weirdly 
we've got viva brothers famous first words and just below that is screamed by chris cornell now mm. i have a, obviously a lot more love for chris cornell as a person than i do muse and his back catalog which is fantastic scream yes. is bad and it's actually i i was gonna say that's cynical i'm not even sure if scream was necessarily a cynical album or if it's just quite a rubbish one do you know what i mean i think rubbish and probably misguided and yeah. i think this album is deeply misguided but with much kind of seedier intentions i would say behind yeah it. i don't yeah. feel like listening to scream is necessarily like oh we can make loads of money here it's just like oh let's nah. have a go at doing something which is quite far out of my wheelhouse whereas muse mm. is like what's big oh, they didn't like our rock album what's big it's the 80s okay we'll do that then brilliant um so yeah i think it's it's definitely not going below scream by, no. by chris cornell which gives us fever brothers famous first words like you say illud divinum and silence by morbid angel your favorite puddle of muds rediscovered <laughs> you'll love to hate this by richard blackwood and christmas in the stars by star wars now i'm gonna say i think this is definitely better than christmas in the stars by star wars which is a <laughs> which is an even more heinous crime of cashing in cynicism yeah, <laughs> cynicism. yeah, yeah, yeah. um uh, richard blackwood's you'll love to hate this has got a better song on it than anything on this record yeah, yeah. um <laughs> to be fair technically so does rediscovered but it's puddle of mud doing them puddle of mud's got a lot of better songs than this but they yeah, yeah. do absolutely it's destroy of mud performing all them, of yes. them um illud divinum insanus so i'm gonna say it's got too extreme and radical the best metal songs of the 21st century obviously it's a weird thing to say but fine yeah, it might might also be a joke but yeah <laughs> no, I what i can't believe oh, but you said it you can't, oh, no, God, surely yeah. not um <laughs> words with context no, whatever uh no it would be just unheard of that that would happen um yes How uncouth um i mean Divinum and silence again i actually think the attitude of morbid angel i don't think it was done as a kind of cash grab as a oh this shit's mm. popular so in a lot of ways as much as i think that is maybe worse musically i think it's oh it is an absolute car crash but yeah i think yeah. it's heart is more mm. i think it's a more honest representation of what the band were doing i mean that doesn't necessarily make it better but I think it makes me want to listen to it more readily. Not that I particularly want to listen to a Divinum Insanus again. But yeah. um, I would. I think this is. I think it's basically a conversation of whether it goes above or below Puddle of Mud. Because I think Puddle of Mud does exactly the same thing. Where it's just like, what's things people like? Let's do them quite badly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Actually, you're right. I mean, it's like as much as I do love one, two, three, four, down with the wicked. Can I get a whoop whoop? You know, etc. Et yeah. et uh, <laughs> RB runs the show. Um, he does. Oh, that was good. I might put that on after we finish this. Yeah, I love that. Right. <laughs> I, like I watched the video as well. Yeah, where he's running around Jamaica like a <laughs> naughty scamp. Yeah, uh, I think. I think this is better than Rediscovered by Puddle of Mud. Just okay. Yeah, I I I can't argue with that too too mightily. I think at least the sort of production on this is is all right and i think there are times where musically you go oh, okay like not much but there yeah. are a few occasions where you go i mean there's nothing surprising or interesting or brave 
I mean, I would struggle. You know, I think Brave is, you know, like maybe slightly over. Everybody's brave these days. Aren't they? Like, oh, aren't you <laughs> bravery? Oh, for so, that. so brave. You, you treated. You tweeted Graham Linehan. Aren't you brave? Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. Just a fucking no. gobshite, right? Like, you know, we can all do that. Doesn't make you brave. Yeah. I don't think it's particularly brave to go. Let's do what's really popular, but it is. It's weird. It is like you know. But what Puddle of Mud did is deeply, deeply cynical. Um, mm. So I'm going to put it there. worse executed than this. Yeah, yeah. I put this just under Puddle of Mud. All right, I'm putting it in there. Um, I'm putting it right in. I'm going to spell it correctly as well because oh, I am a journalist, you know. So there you go. Muse simulation theory goes in between Illa Divinum Insanus and Puddle of Mud Redisc othered what an eggy name that is for that album as well because you can't see what, what? it's written but it's re colon open brackets disc closed brackets othered othered absolutely fucking ridiculous what a, a trilogy of albums it will be though. i'll tell you what though sam oh next week you're gonna make my dreams come true steve we're gonna have to do something next week which i think might be in rather poor taste considering <laughs> who we're talking about um although i'm looking forward to it this is this is why you signed up for this podcast, guys. This is why. The Return of Bruno by Bruce Willis is what we're doing next week. Lovely oh, Bruce Willis. Get I mean Bruce Willis has retired recently and he's 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 not very well. No. Um, so no. we're gonna basically mug him oh, off. Which yeah. isn't gonna I mean, be very nice. The album artwork's not... I mean, it's not awful, but it's just... It, it, this looks to me already like an album that's not had a load of effort put into it. Oh, harsh on Bruce Willis. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Bruce. It's a man who never Brucey gives... Baby. He never gives... Have you not seen Cop Out? He never gives... It, he always gives 100%. Have you not seen Hudson Hawk? I have, actually. <laughs> I have it. It's fucking dreadful. Anyway, we'll talk about Hudson Hawk... We'll talk about the return of Bruno. Die we'll Hard, talk, I'm sure. That'll we'll come talk up. about yeah. Die Hard, uh, Another Day, Death becomes whatever it's her, called. Where he's, when he's not playing a, an action guy. Mm -hmm. Did that yeah. quite well. Yeah. Yeah. He did, actually. I love Death Becomes Her. I love the guy Very with, I mean, we're going to save this next week, the guy who keeps moving his eyelid up. He's brilliant, that guy. <laughs> yeah. People, actors in one scene, and they fucking steal the film. I mean, he doesn't steal the film, but he's bloody good, that guy. He's fucking funny, that guy. Anyway... That's all for next week, isn't it? More on Death Becomes Her next week. <laughs> on, Tune in. I say next week. I'm not promising it's going to come next out time. next week. Next yeah. time. We'll try and do these on a more regular basis. Um, uh, but uh, if I say next week and then, you know, we'll get people tapping their watches at us if it doesn't come out because we've got other things. Where's my busy. free content? Where's my free content? Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed this. We'll be back with your normal programming on friday we're going to be reviewing a lot mm. of good albums and uh you can go over to patreon.com i should have done this as well patreon.com forward slash true cop pop to sign up for all of our exclusive content over there which is pretty bloody good i'll see you later <laughs>